We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chineo Gwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Kittle is gonna go. Touchdown. Yeah, you heard it there. This is Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. The gentleman sitting right there across from me. It's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Mads, and I write about the 49ers for NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. And as always, I say Chris is sitting right across from me. That's theater of the mind, folks. He's actually sitting in Santa Clara. I am at my home in the East Bay. We are not sitting across from one another. I guess we are virtually. We are socially distanced. We are. We also took part in a socially distanced activity over the weekend. We we golfed together in my hometown and that was long but a lot of fun we played golf we played golf we golfed (laughs) we went golfing there's a twitter user whose name escapes me uh nice guy but he corrected me on how to say we golfed played golf went golfing played golfing i don't know i'm hoping i said the right one in there yeah i think playing golf is, is the right one he was i i remember the tweet the the guy was against the idea of golfing as a verb but huh. no, we did, and we played the longest round in in history. I think Ever. it was 
<laughs> it was almost six hours. Yeah. That's and, what uh, happens when you have th- three not so good golfers and you're good. And then on top of that, it's a long course. And on top of right. that, there's some holes where the tee boxes are like two and a half miles apart. <laughs> right. Right. Um, I won't say I'm good. I appreciate you saying that, but I'm not. I'm like a. So what's annoying about golf is the more you get into it, the worse you feel about your game, even though you're getting better. Yeah, like I'm getting significantly better. Like I've probably cut like six strokes off my handicap since like May. And but it feels like when you when you want to get to that next level, they're like, oh, well, like I'm a 15 handicap in the golf world because I'm a weirdo who watches like golf videos on like how to get better and also on on equipment in that world. I'm like a mid handicapper, which sounds extremely mediocre, right? But when I go play with my friends who like who are just starting like you or, um, you know, who are like 20 handicappers, like I'm noticeably better because I've been playing longer and I actually and I care about the game in a weird way. And then but when I like watch videos and stuff, it's just very it's a very humbling game, I guess. And there's a weird discussion about like all the people who are super into golf, like the scratch guys, like if you're a mid handicapper, like you can't even like hang with them. Right. You know, like that type of thing. It's a weird sport, but it was fun. It was fun to finally play with you. Or no, we played a few. We played before the season started, right? Yeah, we played at Chabot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, we played at Lake Chabot. Yeah, that was, no, uh, was that was a fun round, too. Yeah, it was a good time. So that's what that's what Chris <laughs> and I did. You guys were all super interested in that. Yes. Um, I'm not good. And that's where we're going to stop. Uh, you know, <laughs> you know who else it turns out isn't very good? Maybe not at golf. I don't know. Uh, but at football. The New England Patriots. Right. You said on Thursday's pod that you did not think the Patriots looked very good against the Broncos. I chalked that up simply to, well, they didn't have a ton of practice time because they were dealing with all the COVID stuff. That loss to the Broncos is going to wake them up. They're going to play better against the 49ers. They did. They played worse. And yeah. it was jarring to see a Bill Belichick coach team look as bad as they did. I want to ask you, Chris, how much credit do you give the 49ers for making them look that bad or the Patriots just next level terrible? I think the 49ers played well. Um, They probably played better than they did in the Rams game, but it just looked a whole lot more lopsided because the Patriots were not any good on Sunday. Um, They don't have any skill position players right now. Julian Edelman is clearly um, not the Julian Edelman that he used to be or is when he's healthy um Nikhil Harry I don't know how good he is but uh he got he got knocked out of the game with a head injury in the, in the first I think it was the first quarter um and it was just it, it was clear that the Patriots offense just can't move the ball right now um and Cam Newton doesn't look anywhere near 100% to me and and I don't know if he is I don't want to speculate on his health but it, it just you know he was he didn't look good he didn't look good um, I don't know if it's strictly because of the practice situation and all that, or if there are any lingering effects from the virus. I really hope not. Um, so yeah, it was a great time to play the Patriots, right? Like yeah. it, it would, it, which doesn't necessarily take away from the 49ers performance because there were a lot of positives, uh, from it, obviously going to new England and winning a game and the 49ers now being four and three after being, um, two and three at one point, obviously a, a really good development for them in terms of, you know, bouncing back um, and being very much in the playoff race now. 
Um, I, I think you know it was it was a converging it was a convergence of two factors, right? It was a convergence of the Niners playing well, starting to hit their stride, um, sort of establish their identity, uh, win the win the line of scrimmage up front with the offensive line, which they weren't doing, um, and then the Patriots just really not looking good and it looking like a, a lost season for them, um, which is surprising given given how strong they they looked early on yeah that's that's the the craziest swing to me is because coming out of week two where the patriots nearly knocked off the seahawks in seattle and looked really good doing it it was like man that's going to be a really tough game on the niners schedule they go rams and they got to go at the patriots and that just kind of shows how the ebbs and flows of a season can change what your schedule looks like Mm-hmm. but that was just that was just not the same team on Sunday that we saw in that week two uh game against against Seattle it was and I want to I want to I want to step away from the Patriots here for a minute the the right. 49ers dominated a team that played poorly and maybe a bad team that played poorly and that's what your good teams are supposed to do right had the Niners won that game 13 to 6 you know, that's that probably an issue, but they dominated every single facet. And if you're San Francisco, it doesn't necessarily matter how good or bad the Patriots are. You're playing the teams that are on your schedule. And if you had told me that that's what the Patriots are going to look like, I would have said the Niners should be winning by 20 plus. And that's what they did. They took care of business. Uh, it was just very jarring as somebody I'm 30 years old. So basically I've only known the NFL with, the with the Patriots being this dominant Super Bowl contending force, and they did not look like that uh, on Sunday. Yeah, totally That's agree. Awesome. And and I, I think the the takeaway too, like the Patriots were bad, but the takeaway from the 49ers perspective, I think is you know particularly on the offensive side, that's the identity sort of maximized right now, right? Like given yes. the injury yes. situation, that's about as good as a game could go for them in terms of the formula that they want to use to win games, um, run the ball 37 times <clears throat> for the second week in a row. You know, Kyle Shanahan has talked about 30 being sort of the number. If the Niners can get to, to 30 rushes in a game, um, they're going to have a really good chance of winning. And it's going to mean that usually the offense is, is playing pretty well. And Jimmy Garoppolo, um, <clears throat> you know, I, it was a good performance because, um, he was mostly efficient. He had, you know, he had the bad interception in the first quarter. Um, the second interception was pretty much meaningless as that sort of Hail Mary heaved to Brandon Ayuk to, to end the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but 20 to 25, 277 yards, no touchdowns, two picks. Niners did score four touchdowns in the game um, and they only punted once, I believe. But um right. You know, Garoppolo going through the numbers of of the game and and it's sort of indicative of what we've seen from from Garoppolo all season is that there's not a whole lot of uh, of downfield passing happening right now for Jimmy Garoppolo. And, you know, in the game he completed uh, do some quick math. He completed um, eight of nine behind the line of scrimmage. You know, he had nine attempts on his 25 throws behind the line of scrimmage. Um, just two passes beyond 20 yards, uh, in the air. I mean, he, he, he finally completed one to Brandon Ayuk. He hadn't had one coming into this game. Um, so it was, 
you know, you you still the, there those questions remain. I think like the health of Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle seems like less of an issue as time goes on, um, which is obviously a good thing. And I think Kyle Shanahan certainly understands that um, the best spot to put Jimmy Garoppolo in right now is to keep everything short, whether it's behind the line of scrimmage or, you know, within 10 yards, just about. Um, He's not pushing off towards the sideline. He threw five between 10 and 20 yards, or I guess beyond 10 yards. Um, he completed four or five in the middle of the field and just one of one uh, to the left of the numbers and one of one to the right of the numbers. Like Kyle Shanahan isn't asking him to push off and make those longer throws towards the sideline, probably because of that ankle. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see what a version of Jimmy Garoppolo looks like when the running game isn't going. Or maybe the 49ers are just at a point now where the running game is going to go, whether that's by way of the offensive line looking really good in conjunction with Kyle Shanahan coming in with a really good game plan and a lot of interesting play designs. It seems like the 49ers run 10 plays, but they run them out of like 50 different formations. Yeah. Split you know? beers like Novocaine. Give it time, <laughs> yeah. always works. Yeah. It's like, it, it's, it's, there, there's, there's 20 different ways to run that Debo Samuel little shovel pass thing. And and we'll talk about their, their, those they, injuries too. The, the play they ran yesterday, I think it was in the first quarter. They ran that action where Samuel comes in front of Garoppolo and Garoppolo will shovel pass it to him. Only they faked the shovel pass and then Garoppolo went play action to Jeff Wilson, who was standing on his right mm-hmm. and, and Samuel motioned right to left. So they faked the Samuel little pitch uh, uh, shovel pass um, and then went play action to Jeff Wilson and then threw it back to Samuel on the left side. Like, that's just an iteration of that play. <laughs> right, exactly. Like that, incredible. And, and Tony Romo said it during the game, like, for everything that the 49ers do, they have a counteraction to it if you, yes. if you react, right? Um, yes. Which is obviously one of the things that makes Kyle Shanahan's offenses so difficult to defend. But... You know, the same question remains about what happens when the 49ers defense is is not playing really well. And maybe that game's going to come, you know, this upcoming game against the Seahawks against Russell Wilson. I have a quick question for you real quick while we're on the Garoppolo topic. Yeah. Was he good? He was good enough. I mean, 20 to 25 is good. He was good. He wasn't asked to do a whole lot, which was fine. Because was, the 49ers wanted to run the ball. Is it yeah, this is the like one, the one interception, the one interception was bad. The other one was an arm pun at the end of the half. Um, yeah. So so call it call it one interception if you want. Like you're grading this game. So we love grades, Chris. I know. We so i I'd give Jimmy Garoppolo a B plus. Um okay. He executed the That's game. That's what Daryl the Guru Johnson gave him, by the way. So you and Guru are on the same wavelength. All right, Keep going. me and Goo, your guy Goo. Yeah, the Goo. Um, I think. Uh, I I think so. Jimmy Garoppolo is not being asked to push the ball down the field a whole lot, and maybe that's because of his ankle. But I also think there's something to the idea of the 49ers receivers not necessarily being in a spot where Kyle Shanahan feels comfortable having them run a bunch of deep routes. Um, and I asked him about that today because, you know, we saw it last year with Debo Samuel. Samuel played a lot in the first half of the season, but he was really kind of a gadget player. Like he wasn't running a, a full route tree. He was 
um, you know, Kyle Shanahan was was getting the ball in his hands through, you know, bubble screens and these running plays um, and different ways like that. And it's smart because Debo Samuel's really good with the ball in his hands. And if you're a place designer like Kyle Shanahan, who's so good at getting blockers in the right position, um, then you can maximize a player who might not be super adept at route running and beating man to man coverage against really good NFL corners. Um, so I, I think there's an element to that. And Kyle Shanahan basically said as much today, like, you know, it's kind of a bonus when you're waiting on these guys to develop their route running skills. It's not like they don't have use on the football field. You can still play them, but you just have to kind of change your scheme in terms of, um, the way you get them the ball. And then, you know, like we've seen it with Brandon Ayuk, we we've seen him in, in games before this one, be the guy who can be really nasty in screens uh, or the reverse runs, whatever. Um, and then he comes out on Sunday and has, you know, 115 yard performance and he's, and he's making catches downfield. Um, that's, that has to be a really encouraging development for, for Kyle Shanahan. And that I like, I think as much as we get wrapped up in Jimmy Garoppolo and him not pushing the ball downfield, I think a lot of that too has to do with the the receivers and the fact that they're young um and and Kyle Shanahan is still trying to figure out what their strengths are in, in terms of those things and he did, and it sounded like he said that about Debo Samuel specifically like he mentioned both Ayuk and Samuel um so Samuel might might be a little bit more raw when it comes to some of that downfield stuff um which is interesting and notable because like Emmanuel Sanders last year was that downfield guy he sort right. of gave the 49ers right. balance and I don't know if they have that right now outside of George Kittle. Kendrick Bourne? <laughs> I mean, occasionally, but, no, like, you know, is, Bourne... Is he, their, is he their best route runner? Oh, best route runner? Jeez, that's a good question. Um, hmm, 49ers best route runner at the moment. Well, you figure that out. I want to say a thing. Okay, say Brandon a thing. Brandon Ayuk, at first I was chalking it up to Debo Samuel coming back from injury and stuff. But Brandon Ayuk outsnapped Debo Samuel yesterday for the third consecutive game. Yeah. I and mean, even if sense. Debo missed eight snaps, uh, he got hurt and then the Niners played eight more offensive snaps. So even if he played all of those, Ayuk still would have outsnapped him. It makes sense. I mean, Ayuk had much more of a training camp. Um, you know, he did get hurt, but he was out there for, uh, and he was able to do a lot more training and stuff over the summer so that's not entirely surprising but i i the the points taken that um Ayuk might be more more versatile than than samuel right now but now the 49ers are going to have to figure things out without samuel um and we'll talk about that a little bit more on thursday but we should say that um debo samuel is going to miss at least two games with that hamstring injury oh yeah news and um and jeff wilson jr the guy who we should probably talk about next uh, he had 17 carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns on his third touchdown, suffered a high ankle sprain. And Kyle Shanahan said Monday that that would be a month out for him, um, which is a tough break because as I texted you and Nick in the group chat today, like waking up Sunday morning, <clears throat> I did not expect uh, to Monday afternoon to be getting an outpouring of um of oh man, that's terrible. He had such an awesome game about a Jeff Wilson Jr. injury. Yeah, right? like Jeff Wilson Jr. just missed a game with an injury and nobody blinked. 
Right. And, and then he, he was, was awesome, awesome on Sunday. Yeah, really good. And the the incredible thing about Jeff Wilson is going into the game, he was averaging 2.4 yards a carry this year. Yeah. Um, and just didn't look like, I mean, he looked like just a short yardage back. I mean, not a ton of wiggle. He was just going to plow into people and, and hope for the best. And it looked a little bit like that in the first quarter. In the first quarter, he had six carries for 15 yards and a touchdown. And that wasn't going to cut it if he was going to keep averaging two and a half yards a carry. And then over his last 11, he went for 97 yards and two touchdowns. Like he just turned into a different guy. Yeah. And, and yeah, that makes his injury. Like it, it's a, it's a formerly undrafted NFL player kind of seemingly figuring it out on the fly. And, and then he gets hurt. And, and that's, it was just, that's just brutal. He was running over dudes. Yes. Like he was there. I, I, there was nothing he did yesterday where I was like, oh, man, he left yards on the field. Right. right. <laughs> he maximized everything yeah. he got. George Kittle after the game said, um, you know, Jeff Wilson. Oh, George Kittle, who was on the pod last week, by the way, if you haven't listened, oh, yeah, to it, you should go point. listen. He's he not is. on the pod today. Not on the pod tonight, um, but he did stop ducking it for one week and uh, and went on last week. So if you haven't seen that, check your feeds and, and listen to it. It was a it was a fun and conversation. And it's still nice enough to answer your questions and in. in press conferences barely good guy. barely i'm just kidding good guy george kittle <laughs> um but so george kittle said one thing that he loves about jeff wilson jr is he goes to a dark place before games and kyle shanahan was saying today that like he can't even talk to jeff wilson jr during games because he's in that headspace Weird. <laughs> and, and <laughs> so it's just one of those things i mean you can see it like in that game-winning touchdown he scored in November against the Cardinals last yes. year, you remember him crossing the goal line and just, like, completely losing control of his body. He was so excited, just, like, screaming and, like, waving his arms around. Like, he's just one of those people that gets locked in and, like, a, just a completely different mode. Like, I'm going to run through everybody's face right now. Like, that's that's the mindset that he has, and that's how he played. And to me, too, like, man, if Jeff Wilson, if that's going to be the Jeff Wilson Jr. the 49ers have for the rest of the season when he does come back healthy, um, which is a pretty big if, obviously, on an ankle injury. Yeah. But if you pair him with Raheem Mostert and do like sort of this thunder and lightning thing, um, which is a terrible running back football cliche, but like really bad, dude. Yeah. I thought maybe you'd think about that beforehand. But the way those dudes could potentially complement each other and the fact that you probably don't want either of them being like a 20 carry guy going forward. If you split the carries between those guys and had Jarek McKinnon as your, as your third down pass catching back, I think you're going to be in a really good spot. Yeah, I agree. The problem is it's going to be a long time before you get to that spot. Because yeah, but the if injury. they if if they if they get there, and we're looking at like like you said like four five six weeks, if they get there, they're going to be getting there just in time for like a late season run and and a potential postseason run. Yeah, I mean, if the 49ers get there, they're going to be a tough out, man. That <laughs> it's just a matter of getting there. It, it appears yeah. that this season is going to be a war of attrition for them. Yeah, I mean that. Kyle Shanahan said today he was asked uh, by Cam Inman if if he had been thinking about the playoffs now that, you know, looking at the standings and, um, you know, you play seven games and the the playoff picture is starting to starting to sort of identify itself, I guess. 
Take um, shape. Take shape. There you go. That's a Catch way better way to way to put it. Um, I'm a writer, so <laughs> you definitely are. I I pretend to be. Um, Shanahan, like Shanahan said, no, he doesn't think about it at all. But there's there's no doubt in my mind that Shanahan has looked at the NFC East and been like, man, if we can be a wild card team, that that their first game is against an NFC East team. I'm fascinated. That would be huge for for any no matter what team it is and it looks like it's probably going to be an NFC West team that is that in that wild card spot. I am fascinated to watch the the like race for the 7 seed. Yeah. And see if we do see like the 6 seed lose a couple games on purpose or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, seriously, it's it, if it's the difference between going to freaking uh Tampa Bay or Philadelphia? Yeah. <laughs> Right. And who who's not who's not taking uh who's not taking Philly in that situation? Anyways. Yeah. He's definitely uh, given it like he's mapped it out. He's thought about it. You're a head coach of a pro football team that's worth billions of dollars. There's no way you don't think about it. You and don't you were say just, you were just on a cross country flight with no satellite TV. Right, right. There you don't you say it. <laughs> but you know, you don't say it publicly, but like you he knows exactly I mean, he's a smart guy. He probably knows what every team's record is right now. Yeah. Or at least at uh, like all the, teams the, that matter, the top for 10. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the defense? Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about. Yeah. Let's talk about the defense. Are we impressed with the defense or not? Yes, I am. Okay. Why? I, I think that what Robert Sala and the 49ers defensive coaching staff has done and credit to the players as well for, for executing um, because that's ultimately what it comes down to. But they were a team that was built front to back. They went, they had the worst pass defense in the league in 2018. And then they added D Ford. They added Nick Bosa. They kept the exact same secondary and had a top three defense in the league. And now they've lost D Ford for a considerable amount of time. They've lost Nick Bosa for the season. And they've lost multiple other edge rushers in the process. And they've now constructed their defense from back to front. You have Jason Brett playing extremely well. Emmanuel Mosley's back in the lineup. He's playing well. Tavarius Moore was excellent yesterday. Mm -hmm. uh, really, really good. Marcel Harris didn't have... Uh, any any major gaffes and was doing what he does, sticking his nose in in the run game against a, a team that was running the ball very effectively. Like what they've been able to do without the cornerstone of their defense has been super impressive because it would have been totally understandable if they completely fell apart and they haven't. I agree. Um, I, I do think that's been impressive and the numbers back it up. I think the 49ers are still... Um, statistically in in a really good spot they're sixth in scoring fifth in overall defense um that said you know we pointed out a lot but they there are some games where they haven't gone against a good offense and i i do think that this is another one of those games that qualifies and that's not to take anything away from them but you know like i don't think they're gonna give up nine points a game chris yeah i don't think so either <laughs> um just looking at the Patriots skill guys, man, like it's they're It's bad. They had. So, so we do a bit. I, I'm, I produce a radio show. I don't talk about it often, but I produce a radio show on 95, seven, the game in the Bay area. 
and 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. It's tiny grew into anyways. Um, we do a bit on on Fridays where I give over unders like I set the over unders and the, and the guys pick them. And I had Patriots wide receivers at 11 and a half receptions. Which I was mm. like, man, that's not very many. It's seven. Seven catches by wide receivers. Three by one guy. That's hard to do. Do you know, because um, I just had to look this up to double check. Do you know the first name of the leading pass catcher from uh, the Patriots on Sunday? I believe his name is Jacoby Myers. Nice, nicely done. Thank you. I had to look up the J because I, in my head, I was like, is it Jacob? I think and it's I like, Jacoby no, it's Myers. Jacoby. Yeah, you're right. It is and Jacoby. And then there's a... Um... Spelled with an I. Yes. J-A-K-O-B-I. Yep. Yeah. I don't know why I knew that. That's weird. I mean, most like most NFL players who are catching passes on good teams, I feel like I, I know their names. Yeah, right. Like, like Jacoby Myers, I know now because I just looked it up. Because I was unsure after watching. It's like, remember, remember when Travis Fulgham had that touchdown that, that beat the Niners? It's like, right. who the heck is Travis Fulgham? The Patriots are like that, but the whole offense. Yeah. Yeah, uh, totally. It, agree. Just they they they're tight ends. Uh, one of the callers on WEI in Boston today, they posted a pretty funny video of all their pissed off callers. And one guy was like, we can't celebrate National Tight Ends Day because we don't have one. And they don't like they just they don't they're I they don't I, I they don't <laughs> and I don't know how a, a a guy like Bill Belichick who's been so good at personnel for so long lets his roster get like this. Yeah, it's it's really odd. I mean, the game was but essentially the Niners dominated, the but the Niners half. dominated. Like that's what yeah. that's kind of what I was. It, it goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning. Like the Niners defense isn't going to give up six points every week and they're not going to have four interceptions every week. Like I, I, that's goes without saying, but I do think that when they are the, even this iteration of what they are, I think they can go into Seattle and play well enough to put the offense in a position to win. Like, I don't think it's a given that the, that Seattle is going to go rack up 50 points. Right. I I think, Right. I think the uh, the defense is is playing at a high level and like you only play your opponent in front of you. So I'm not trying to like completely dismiss what they're doing. Um, Just looking at the first half numbers. Total net yards, 301 for the 49ers and 59 for the for the Patriots. Oh, my God. Um, Cam Newton was their leading rusher in the first half. Three runs for 12 yards and he completed four of eight. Man. And um, yeah, it was it w- it was just odd. But no, on the on the 49ers defense, like the I, I think the most encouraging thing about it right now is the play of their cornerbacks. Yes, because ultimately what a pass rush does is makes life easier on your cornerbacks if your cornerbacks aren't elite. And if you happen to have really good cornerback play with a really good pass rush, then you're just going to be a really tough team to beat. And that's what the 49ers were last year. Yeah. But if they didn't have an elite pass rush, then you wonder if who was ever on the opposite side of the field from Richard Sherman w- would have gotten exposed more, whether that was Emmanuel Mosley or Akella Witherspoon. Sure. But now you're getting 
Um, you know, I don't I don't know that Jason Verrett is playing at Richard Sherman's level, but the production is is pretty similar. Yeah. Just based he's, on the fact that nobody's targeting him. Um and he's been at worst a quality starter. Right. No, he's been he's been really good. I think right. he's been he's been more than that. I think he's been really I good. I think so too, yeah. And I think you're getting with Emmanuel Mosley now, I think he's playing better than he was last year. So your so. point about them sort of being a back to front defense now is a good one. And I think if they get that kind of cornerback play um, that they've got in the last two weeks and, and the reason why I, I encourage is more about the Rams game, to be honest about the cornerback. Yeah. But yeah, if you fair. get really good cornerback play um, just within the framework of this defense, I think you're going to be in a good spot. Um, and, I, and I think that's, that's a different that like, that's the reason why, the 49ers haven't gotten comp- gotten gashed in the passing game on top of just not playing very good offenses right now. Um, well, we, we, saw it, we, we saw it after the, the Dolphins game. There were people online, people calling into local radio saying, you know, blaming the scheme, blaming Salah's scheme. And it's like, no, Salah's scheme is great when you have players who can execute it. Right. And I think the Niners have that right now. Can they go back to the Super Bowl? I need to see more. Like good, good performance against the Rams. Really good performance against the Patriots. But they have to stack up more of those for for me to be confident that they can go uh, and and pull off some kind of uh, epic run, uh, despite all the injuries. Yeah, put it this way: I, what's surprising to me right now, and this was another thing I, I texted you guys, but like, I still I think the Achilles heel of the team right now is Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, more so mm. than the defense mm. G- given that the defense is really sound they're getting really good cornerback play they might not be pressuring the quarterback at a crazy rate like they were last year but I'm less worried about the defense than I am about Garoppolo and it's not that I don't think Garoppolo is good or you know they need to move on from him next year or anything like that I just think right now this version of Garoppolo in the passing game on that ankle which probably isn't 100 percent um and with with Kyle Shanahan not being eager to, eager to push the ball downfield, I just think that if the 49ers, it, if this is what they have to, okay, I'm putting the card before the horse, but if they get go. to the playoffs um, and the defense is playing at this level, it's going to be up to Jimmy Garoppolo to win a game with his arm. And I'm less confident that he can do that than I would be the 49ers get a good defensive performance, a good enough defensive performance to win a playoff game. Does that make sense? Like I'm more yeah, confident absolutely. in the defense right now than I am in Jimmy Garoppolo. And a lot of that has to do with the ankle injury still. Yeah, no, I think that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Let's uh, let's hit a break and then we'll get some uh, good game, bad game. Okay. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need 
just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Hey, football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but my computer screen just went down. So I'm going to stall and tell you that Bet Online is the only place that I wager on sports. One of my favorite things to do is the custom player props. You can go in there, and let's say that you don't like maybe the number that that has been set. You can knock it down. Maybe it's Jimmy Garoppolo passing yards. Is it 240? You wanted it 250. You can knock that number up and it changes the odds for you. It's all great. From game spreads and totals, the team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every single day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Your cat enjoyed that ad read, I think. Yeah, no, he definitely did. Uh, I am in, I am just in a whirlwind of difficulty right now. Because I have my cats that won't shut up, and you're going to hear it throughout the pod, so you're welcome. That's brought to you by Stephen Purry. Um, <laughs> and then my computer screen, out of nowhere, just turned black. Um, and I'm, like, moving my mouse around and stuff, and it's not coming back up. So I will not have a computer screen for the duration of the pod, so don't ask me any questions. All right. Um, well, we're going to play good game, bad game, and uh, and I'll play host then. So um, good game for uh for jeff wilson jr and as we Game mentioned sprint. uh 12 carries 112 yards three touchdowns it was 17 carries 17 carries my apologies um he i mean first of all we didn't expect him to start right i mean it, it, he was he entered the weekend as questionable to play because of that calf injury kyle shanahan sort of undersold um, what Wilson's role would be during the week last week saying, you know, he's questionable to play. We'll see how much he practices, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think everybody thought it would be a Jarek McKinnon, Jamichael hasty game while Wilson was working back and, and Wilson got to start. It wasn't even like he, he was, um, you know, rotated into the game. He was, he was a starter. And, and part of that was because Kyle Shanahan wanted to take some of the workload away from Jarek McKinnon. Um, and it proved to be the right call. It was wildly effective, 112 yards in two and a half quarters, basically. Um, I mean, I think that's a sign of good coaching, good scouting. This is an undrafted running back. Um, I don't know if you've heard, Kyle, but the 49ers uh, have been good at identifying running backs. Get out of town. And Jeff Wilson Jr. is one of them. Um, Jamichael Hasty adding 57 yards on nine carries, by the way. My favorite, can I tell you my favorite thing about Jeff Wilson Jr. being the guy to go off? Sure. Was all the pissed off fantasy football players. Right. Who started Jarek McKinnon and Jamichael Hasty. Right. 
And I saw someone, this is an aside, and if you're not on Twitter, somebody was yelling at Tim Kawakami on Twitter for not knowing that Jeff Wilson Jr. was going to be the starter and getting a bulk of the carries. He was blaming the beat writers for not getting that information from Kyle Shanahan. You got to hold him down. (laughs) (laughs) Beat it out of him if you have to. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan. That's why you're called a beat writer. Right. It was, um, yeah, I, I sent I sent Tim a uh, a picture of a transcript asking the very same question with Shanahan not saying anything helpful. Yeah, he's, so yeah, it's we, like, yeah, we try, believe me, that we try really hard to get as much information as we can from the coaches and um, they know exactly what they want to tell us and what they don't want to tell us. A pro, pro tip, unless it's Raheem Mostert, just leave that Niners running back on your bench unless you're trying to swing for a home run. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good game, Jeff Wilson Jr. Um, bad game. Bad game, Trent Taylor. And this isn't because Trent Taylor played poorly. Yeah, elaborate, please. It was a bad game for Trent Taylor because he played just three snaps, which speaks to maybe a larger issue in that, you know, Trent Taylor was somebody who in training camp in 2019, Kyle Shanahan said was the team's best offensive player throughout training camp. And then he had the Jones fracture in his foot. It got infected after his surgery. It required five surgeries total. He missed the entire season. Um, so Trent Taylor went from being the 49ers quote unquote best offensive player in training camp to now being kind of an afterthought on a team that needs, needs receivers, right? Like a team that there is a vacuum of opportunity for receivers, because like I mentioned earlier, there might not be like a whole lot of downfield stuff happening because Kyle Shanahan doesn't necessarily trust those guys to make those kinds of plays on a consistent basis yet. Well, Trent Taylor doing what he did maybe in 2017, which feels forever ago now in being that sort of really reliable middle of the field uh, passing game as an extension of the running game type guy. The fact that he's only getting three snaps now is a little bit worrisome. And with Debo Samuel being out, Taylor's certainly going to have an opportunity to get more playing time. And if he doesn't, then you have to wonder, you know, is Trent Taylor going to provide the 49ers much of anything this year? Um, And given that this is the last year of his contract, is Trent Taylor going to be with the 49ers beyond this season? I think it's fair to ask. And I also think there's a good chance that Taylor gets his legs under him more. Um, Obviously missing a full season with an injury is problematic. In 2018, he he missed a lot of time with a back injury. So he's, you know, a 5'8 player who's dealt with a couple of significant injuries now. Um, and so I, I think, but, but I do think there's an opportunity for him to, to get a lot of playing time here coming up. And I point out him having a bad game is just kind of a bad sign, I guess. And, um, you know, it's just one week, maybe that changes, but um, it's not a great look for, for somebody like Trent Taylor, who's proven it in the past to not be getting that run right now. Um, when the 49ers could probably use him. I keep waiting for this Trent Taylor, like 10 catch, 120 yard game where the defense just doesn't have an answer for him. And it's just becoming more and more evident it's not coming. Yeah. And the fact that he had, what'd you say, three snaps? Three. That's in a blowout. Like, yeah, that's. 
Yeah, and, and a lot of it, too, is like what the 49ers are doing now. I mean, it, it, a lot of it, too, is a game plan thing, right? Because their two receivers are threats in the running game that we've talked about so much, like on these sweeps and bubble screens and all of that. Trent Taylor's not that player right now. And when you're using a fullback, as often as the 49ers are, you're not going to use that third receiver. That third receiver is probably Kendrick Bourne anyway. So it's easy to see the roadmap to Trent Taylor only getting three snaps. But it's problematic because at some point you need Trent Taylor to sort of be good enough to be in the game, um, maybe regardless of game plan, you know? Yeah. And maybe like maybe that's something that happens a little later on, but... Um, well, and especially with what you were talking about earlier with where Garoppolo is most effective. Right, exactly. Like you have a guy who gets open in what well, it's supposed to be able to get open in, in these in a phone booth, as they say. In the middle of the field where Jimmy Garoppolo is really good. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, free Trent Taylor. So, speaking of receiver. Trent Taylor. <laughs> free Trent Taylor. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, receivers, good game. Brandon Ayuk. Career high. Um, 115 yards. He's just like, there were a couple plays. He's good, dude. Yeah, there were a couple plays where you're like, all right, like this dude with the ball in his hands, especially is a real problem. And in training camp, he was he showed signs of that. Um, There were there was there was about a week of camp where he was playing really well. And I thought he was far and away the 49ers best receiver. And I think we're starting to see some of that right now. And as we said, Sunday was the first time that he was really starting to to open things up down the field. And if he can be the dude who's really nasty in the design running plays and the bubble screens and all that and be really good down the field like this dude like could potentially be a star in this offense and he's off to a really promising start in my opinion the first catch he had i think is the first catch he had it was like third and 16 and he caught it a couple yards short of the sticks and just kind of with ease shook through a couple guys and then ran through a guy and and got 19 yards and you said it that he just does everything that a receiver needs to be able to do to be successful in this offense and you know we've heard of how great Trent Taylor is in camp we've heard uh, Jalen Hurd looks awesome in camp we've heard Dante Pettis looks really good in camp and this year Brandon Ayu looked great in camp according to to all the reports from there I think you talked about it on this podcast actually and he he is he's 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 a really good player he's just he's he's got a lot of juice like the ball what? in his hands if he's running full speed and has blockers in front of him like he's got juice and it's a different kind of juice because like Debo Samuel just wants to run through everybody right like he's he's gonna be north and south um put his foot in the ground not really dance a whole lot and Ayuk is more of a glider and will like has a little bit more um i don't even know how to describe it but is but just seems like just seems like he's he's a different type of player than samuel maybe not quite as physical but maybe a little faster and more elusive particularly in the open field and i just think he's i mean in this in this offense i think he could be really really good um but the question will be is it going to be good enough for the 49ers to make a run this year or is it you know is it something where he's going to be like 
a real, you know, I don't know, I don't know about like number one receiver. I know that's a that's a debate people have, um, but I don't think he'll get anywhere near that this year. So, but like, what's the level that he gets to, and how much does he help the offense this year? Because he's clearly one. He's clearly the 49ers well, like third or fourth most important offensive player right now. Yeah, and. Debo Samuel last year, you'll remember, didn't have a 100-yard receiving game until week 10 against the Seahawks. And that was a game when George Kittle didn't play and Emmanuel Sanders left early with his rib injury. Right. And that's what it took for Debo to get to to 100 yards. And Ayuk did it in week 7 without a full training game. Yeah. And if he's going to continue, like if he, if he has the same trajectory that Debo Samuel had in his rookie year, He's going to be incredible by week 12, 13. Yeah. So I'm very, I'm very interested to see what, what his, his growth looks like over the next four or five weeks to see if like, we're just kind of seeing what he is right away or if there's, there's another level for him to go as a rookie. Yep. Um, Who else bad, is bad? Bad game. Uh, the pass rush. Yeah. Um, I, can I, I want to throw a question out at you go for it i didn't think the pass rush was like terrible but they did a good job of keeping the running lanes for cam newton to a minimum and i'm not certain if that was on purpose or if their pass rush just isn't getting around the corner rapidly yeah i think i think it's both I think it's easier to contain a mobile quarterback if you're not beating your blocker up the field, right? Right. Um, right. So I, I definitely think they're mindful of it. Like Robert Sala talked about how much of a focus it was last week. Um, and the 49ers staying in their rushing lanes has, has been a major focus. So I do think they're doing a really good job at that. Right. But against somebody like Russell Wilson, um, or against a better quarterback who could carve you up with really good offensive weapons. I wonder if the pass rush is at some point is going to be a liability. Um, and I also wonder if there's, there's regression coming from the 49ers cornerbacks as, um, as positive as, I mean, as much as positive as I am about the 49ers corners, like I wonder about its, its sustainability. Like, is this something you know, we're going to get from Jason Verrett and Emmanuel Mosley be all season until Richard Sherman comes back. Or is this just right. something that that's happening right now? I'm curious to see that. Um, but just overall, I mean, the 49ers, they're 12 sacks through seven games, ranks 22nd in the league. Um, you know, their pressure percentage, according to they actually have a pretty good pressure percentage. According to Pro Football <laughs> Reference, it's at 24.5, and I think that's eighth in the league. Yeah, um, so that's good, but I, I'm, you know, it's it wasn't a game where it was like, man, the pass rush is overwhelming. The def- the defensive line played well, while the pass rush wasn't overwhelming. Can that can those two things can be true, right? I feel like yes. those two things can be true. So um, I do like your point though that. Um, the pass rush being what it is right now and not having dudes that are winning their block blo- winning their matchups and getting up field obviously 
a, a a mobile quarterback can just run past those guys sometimes. It would it would just be really funny if the 49ers backed into a way of slowing down Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray by just having a worse pass rush or a less effective pass rush. <laughs> I would just, it would yeah, it would <laughs> be, be a really perfect way for the the 2020 season to go. I have a computer screen back by the way. Glad to hear it. Yeah, man. Less pressure on me. You're doing and, and just for your computer's <laughs> sake, I know how I had computer issues over the summer. It was not an enjoyable time in my life. Um, yeah, your boy's not in a spot where he can <laughs> just slam down for a new computer. So right, pretty important so device. Hoping this one hangs in there. <laughs> uh, good game, Kyle Uzcheck. I'm gonna amend this. Great game. Great game, Kyle Uzcheck. Yeah, he I was uh, just every. It felt like every block he threw was good. Um, and he it was used it. on so many different kinds of plays. Yes. And he had that block of Stefan Gilmore that uh, led to the long. I think it was a Jamichael hasty run mm-hmm. um, where he he cut uh, he cut Gilmore and then was like laughing with Gilmore about it. <laughs> there's a great there's a great photo in the USA Today database of use check he's on his stomach after throwing the block and gilmore is completely in the air both legs like up in the air and hasty just running by them it's a great great shot he's a very valuable player to their offense jamichael hasty kyle use check yeah yeah you saw it yesterday tony romo wouldn't stop talking about it yes uh despite having an albatross of a contract (laughs) <laughs> i knew you were gonna do that <laughs> so the thing so so um one of the things that happened yesterday online that this these are just this silly things i noticed so kyle Yuzchek had an awesome block uh coming left to right where I, I i forget who was even running it but he just wiped out whoever the the edge player was i just took him out of the screen and Ronald Blair tweeted about that block. It was like, okay, juice or come on juice or something like that. And he tweeted that right about the time use dropped a throw on the next play. Mm. And so everybody thought he was tweeting about use dropping it. So he then had to send another tweet clarifying that he was talking about the awesome block. And I thought that was great. I thought that was a great Twitter thing to happen during the game. And Ronald Blair's probably the last guy on the team who would ever tweet something critical on purpose of a teammate. Ronald Blair is going to get into coaching and be really good at it. Yes. Ronald Blair is an excellent human. I'm a big fan. Yeah. He he came on my radio show because some guys have their DMs open and I will just say like, hey, I'm producer, do this show. Love to have you on. He's like, yeah, sure. What time? <laughs> oh, <laughs> <Nice>. okay. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, yeah, nice. Big, big nicest player. dude in the world. Uh, Kyle Juszczyk. Awesome yesterday. Yeah, really good. Um, scored a touchdown. Just First really one good since player. the Super Bowl, right? No, he had one a couple weeks ago. Dolphins game? Yeah, it was the second one of the season. I think he had one against the Dolphins. He had a receiving touchdown. I don't remember. I don't either. Let's get to our last one. Um. Bad game, Jamar Taylor, and that's a crazy thought because he had two interceptions and played well, Um, but it's a bad game we wrote down in our rundown here 
because it's our last chance to talk to him probably or talk to <laughs> it's our last chance to talk about him because Kwan Williams is probably going to come back this week. Um, and Jamar Taylor has been a pretty pleasant surprise in my opinion, because I watched him in training camp and thought, man, 49ers would be, would be in much better shape to get Kwan Williams healthy because Jamar Taylor is probably a weak link in the secondary and he's played really well. And, uh, and he deserves credit for that. And we, I don't think we've talked about him all that much, um, for doing that. So that's why he got listed as in the bad game category, mostly because we just won't <laughs> be able to talk to him going forward. He was good. He had two interceptions. Good for Jamar Taylor. Um, I'm looking up his pro football focus numbers because I want to see if his numbers are good. Okay. <laughs> 62.8 passer rating when targeted. Very good. Yeah. Jamar Taylor. Yeah. He was uh former Boise State Bronco, I learned. Could have could have been could have been disastrous, yep. especially against the Rams, and he was not. Yep. That's great. I went on 95-7 the game in a in a pregame radio spot and said I thought Cooper Cup could have like 10 catches against Jamar Taylor, and he had what, like one or something? Yikes. Yeah. Tough scene. Yep. I'm a professional at this. <laughs> um Demontre Moore most valuable player award goes to who you got I'm taking the easy one I'm sorry I, I'm gonna I'm gonna have you go second and I'm taking the easy one from you Jeff Wilson Jr three touchdowns on the ground uh just just a really really excellent performance from him in a game where he was questionable going in he ends up getting 17 carries and showed a level of uh, kind of vision and burst and wiggle that I did not know he had. And he did all of that without sacrificing the the power that he kind of uh, built his game on, especially last year as a short yardage back. So I thought Jeff Wilson, I'd say I thought this, not anyone else thought this. <laughs> no, I, Jeff Wilson was great. And I think that he has to get the, the MVP for me today. And he's somebody you watch him run and just like run through people. His teammates react to him, yes. um, which is noticeable, right? And the 49ers have a few of those guys. Like when Debo Samuel's running through guys, teammates react. Uh, I think that's really tough on a defense. Like Debo Samuel, there is one where he just like trucked a dude going out of bounds. And then the microphone picks him up, like cackling at the defenders and calling them weak. <laughs> um, like I think stuff like that just just gives the 49ers sort of a mental edge over a lot of the teams they play. Because, you know, whether it's Kittle or Samuel or Ayuk and now Jeff Wilson, like they're just going to run through dudes. And like that makes it that makes it tough on a defense from a mental perspective, I think. So, yeah, good call on Jeff Wilson. I'm going to go Fred Warner because um, Fred Warner was excellent, had an interception, um, is really like I think if we were to do an MVP of the 49ers team is fred warner the niners mvp so far i think he has to be yeah i think he might be just he's because been, of all he's i mean been in the lineup every day he's the guy he's been excellent every day. yeah he's been excellent their most consistent player every game and he's probably the main reason why the defense is holding it together like it is um, yeah he, he go ahead no just I, I think he's i i think he's the mvp because i had to pick somebody other than jeff wilson jr <laughs> um but he <laughs> was bad. he was excellent in an excellent defensive performance 
Um, Tony Romo made a whole lot of him covering Julian Edelman, which is, um, you know, covering Julian Edelman right now is different than it might have been when Julian Julian Edelman's healthy and or younger. But um, Fred Warner was really good and he's been good the whole year. And um, so I think he's a defensive MVP right now. Who could have seen it pre-draft? <laughs> congratulations. Thanks, man. I got one. Like, Anyways, uh, he, what Fred Warner does in the middle of the defense, I think he's a lot of what they're able to do because they don't just have a liability at linebacker. And if a receiver runs across his face, he can hang with him for long enough. He, and I oh, think it's just, it's, it's such a massive advantage in the modern NFL to have a middle linebacker who has taken over a super vocal role and um, can, can, can cover all the positions he covers. In, like the 49ers don't have many plays where, or any really, like where they're just in a bad call, right? Like when, yeah. when they're in a bad play call or a bad play defensive design, um, in large part because Fred Warner is making all the checks to the line of scrimmage before each play. Right. Like how often do we see just a guy running free for a huge game? Like it doesn't happen. Like usually somebody has to miss a tackle or a coverage or something. So schematically the 49ers are really sound and Fred Warner's the guy who's relaying the signals from Robert Sala and getting everybody lined up before the play and reacting to audibles. Um, you know, like that's that's a major, major thing and, and a key to the 49ers success that they've had so far this season. So Fred Warner yeah. is really good. Probably going to get that all pro nod that everybody's talking about now. I think he's I think he's famous enough to for huh. and played in a, enough, you know, high profile games that he's he's reached that level where he's probably going to start getting pro bowl and all pro nods as as long as he's healthy for for the foreseeable future. I think that's probably right. We had Ian Williams on on the show on Monday, and he said that Fred Warner, he's like, you never see him in the wrong spot. You never have to wonder where he is, and the coaching staff just knows they don't have to worry about him. And Ian Williams compared that to the way Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis both were. And yeah. I know that's a little bit hyperbolic because Fred Warner is – not even halfway through his third season yet, but that seems to be the kind of trajectory he's on. I think he's, I think he has a chance to be that good. Yeah. He's, he's different. He's a yes. very different linebacker than those two. Yeah. But no, 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 the no. overall I, I impact mean, I think is, yes, is correct. Right. right. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Um, yeah. You got I anything else? That's all we got. got anything else on this game? No, no, go back and listen to the George Kittle pod. If you haven't, yeah, um, really, really fun. And then find out the awesome conclusion of the Brooks Kepka saga. Yes. Yes. Uh, man, check my Twitter feed, Can I guess. Can we say After, Brooks listen, Kepka listen to the fan, pod. fan of the pod? Ooh. I think we can say that now. Yeah, he's got to be. Are we Brooks? This is Brooks Kepka's favorite 49ers podcast. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah, I think that's fair, Brooks. <laughs> Shout out to you. You know you're listening, big fan. Um, if you if you did happen to said George uh, a set of clubs, um, if you if you threw an extra three wood in there, I'm in the market. <laughs> just saying. Um, this is a this is what this podcast has come to. Just asking, 
asking people who aren't listening to the podcast for things. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, it's it's hard out there when when you need a expensive club and uh, I'm, and you know the money situation is what it is in California. Candlestick Chronicles. <laughs> Subscribe. <laughs> Subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, next uh, next pod drops Friday per usual. I believe Danny Kelly of the Ringer will be joining us to to talk about his Seahawks and and look ahead to Sunday's game. So make sure you're subscribed, rating, reviewing, and we will see you guys next time.